We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing well. How are you? You know, I, I just made a stew. So. What kind of stew? Now I want to hear more about this. It's, it's just like this chicken stew. It's pretty nice. Uh, so uh, I look what forward to it. What makes it a stew? Did you toss a bunch of ingredients in there? I mean, would that just be a soup then? It's a little bit thicker than a soup. That's why it's a stew. So yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to it. I imagine tossing the ingredients in would make it thicker, along with the whatever broth, I guess you create. A lot of potatoes. A lot yeah. of potatoes. Yeah. All right. Get some stone soup going. What separates it from borscht? I guess it's like tomatoes. I, that's a great like question. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need to get one of we've our, gotta, Rus- our Russian guests from, on here. Uh, yeah. We need to get someone <laughs> from, someone from Asia the old country. That's who we need to be the on old here. country. <laughs> What are we doing? Oh, yeah. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. Uh, we also have like these special bonus episodes, whatever. It's one of our punk commentary tracks or something that they were completely different. This isn't too different. This is just another uh, special review episode because we wanted to make sure we covered a lot of the films that have recently come out uh, that we just mm-hmm. don't have time to do like full episodes on. So we want Abe and I are just zooming in and zooming out with some some quick hits. And uh, <laughs> for this not bonus. Not sponsored by Mazda. Exactly. Not sponsored. Yeah, we're not we're not Zoom Zooming. We're just merely Zooming. Um <laughs> But for this episode, uh, we're talking the film Devotion, uh, the film featuring uh, Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell, uh, a true story that we will get to. We'll talk, we'll talk about that soon mm-hmm. enough. But uh, before we get to all that, um, I think it's a bonus. We don't really have to go over show notes beyond the fact that, hey, it's uh, December. Uh, a lot of movies the are coming out. holiday season is upon us. A lot of things to go over. We, we will have a new commentary track as well. Uh, stay tuned <laughs> if we can squeeze in uh, our thoughts on Avatar at <laughs> some time uh, very soon before the new Avatar comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for now, the main thing we want to do before we get to our main review is uh, talk about another trailer. A lot of trailers are coming out, speaking of Avatar, because you uh, always have one big movie with a lot of trailers that are going with it. And uh, for this episode, we're going to talk about the trailer for The Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Oh. The- Presumably final chapter in at least this iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, as far yeah. as James Gunn's concerned. The story that he's certainly been wanting to tell since he began this project. And what a bumpy road things have been on. <laughs> Not in terms of the production, uh, because everything seemingly went along smoothly. But in terms of just mm-hmm. getting James Gunn to get to this point as a... Uh, has been explored in ways that I do not need to get into here. He was, you know, let go of the, from uh, from Disney for a bit, uh, immediately snatched up by DC, where he did went on to deliver basically the, for me the best <laughs> recent DC movie that came out. Uh, <laughs> was then hired back on my Marvel and is now finally completing his uh, vision for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it's not much to go on in terms of what the plot is beyond hey, these characters need to do a thing, uh, but we still. Have the return of Chris Pratt, uh, Zoe Saldana, Dave Batista, Karen Gillan, Diesel, Cooper, all these people. <laughs> and now we're adding on Will Poulter as Adam Warlock, a uh, little son of Rambo himself, Will Poulter. I know. Like We've the, seen the, him grow up on this screen. It's crazy. The, the galaxy's perfect man, Adam Warlock. That's where we are. <laughs> so with, with all of that in mind, we got a, we got a teaser here uh, for yeah. the new Guardians film. Abe, what did you think of? What are you, what are you looking forward to here? I also just want to add that James Gunn has is also now just been given like a a huge like senior position over. Oh, yeah, at he's DC the ambassador stuff. of DC Comics. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah, this could just be very well his uh, his farewell to the Guardians of the Galaxy and the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought that the trailer was, it was uh, great. You know, I, I'm looking forward to this volume. Uh, I'm calling it a volume, but I guess the third iteration of this movie. Uh, and I, I thought that it, it, it seems to still be doing things that I've 
long thought, and I think that you as well have uh, been admirers of the Guardian series of just looking visually much more interesting than some of the other MCU movies. But it seems like there's maybe some uh, some heartstring pulls in this one. We'll see how that plans out. But I was excited to see this teaser trailer. Probably not going to watch anything else, uh, even if they release the, the first full trailer. Um, and I'm just going to go in and, and enjoy my time here. Yeah, I um, I mean, the first Guardians is still what I regard the best MCU film. So it's like, yeah, more of this, please. I'm, ha- I'm happy to get that. We just talked about the uh, holiday special for the Guardians not too long ago on this podcast with, uh, with Brandon. And I was a big fan of it. Um, and it's the kind of thing where Gunn just seems to get it. Like, as I mentioned there, I don't want to repeat too much of that. But it's like, Gunn just seems to, like, understand how to work within the limitations of a giant universe such as the MCU and use all of his abilities as well as what's afforded to him to deliver something that does feel uniquely him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can't say the same about other MCU features uh, for, for the most part. So it's like, you know, having him do another one of these in full form as opposed to just another special. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Like, even with, as one that you know, has uh, was less uh, less into volume two compared to volume one. It's not as though I think it's less of a James Gunn. It's anything. It's more of a James Gunn movie. It just have other issues with it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you. Obviously, you know, these past two movies are, and, and the special have emotional beats to go along with the irreverence that he brings to this universe. And I look forward to seeing whatever is going to come in that form as well, given right. that we're closing out the story on these, this particular iteration of the guardians of the galaxy. So and yeah, even I, some of the, the actors that will not be returning to uh, this particular franchise, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it just, it, it has exactly the look that I want to see from this. It just looks wild and creative of, you know, very various forms of makeup effects and what have you. We have a space hog song in the soundtrack. I can't wait to get whatever mm-hmm. the volume three soundtrack is. It reminds me of those good days during the summer of, uh, 20 uh 2017 when uh oh, we i at... thought you were gonna say 1974 no 27 <laughs> when we were at when we were asking all of our guests which has the better soundtrack volume one or volume two volume one or two yeah and uh i look forward to seeing what volume three is gonna bring uh in, go. that, in that regard in many regards um well, aaron that... newworth first in line to get the first press <laughs> if i was a vinyl collector i probably would uh, but I'll, cer- I'll certainly pick it up right away Digitally. come on mondo send us a send us a record <laughs> Um. Well, all right. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three opens May fifth, twenty twenty third. It is the kickoff summer soon. movie. Kickoff yeah. summer movie for for next year. So great. Got that going for us. All right. Well, with all that said, let's move on. Let's get to our main review for Devotion. You the only person I ever met belonged in the sky. Remember, you belong down here with us, too, okay? Your commanding officer called you one of the best pilots he's ever seen. It must be hard being the... A naval aviator? Absolutely. The whole world's looking different. Did you ever think that you'd be in a squadron with a colored aviator? Lieutenant Tom Hudner. Jesse Brown. It's good to meet you. We're taking a slight detour on the way home. Say again? What are you going to find out about your wingman cruising at 10,000 feet, Lieutenant? 
put him in a little bit of trouble. Who knows? You might get a peek at who he really is. All right, that's it. It's another trailer for Devotion. Based on a true story and adapted from the 2015 novel Devotion, an epic story of heroism, friendship, and sacrifice, this film tells the story of Ensign Jesse Brown and his friendship with Lieutenant Tom Hudner during the start of the Korean War. Faced with discrimination and other ugly acts, Ensign Brown has had a rough go of it, but has still managed to emerge as an ace pilot and among the first of black aviators. Over the course of this film, we learn about who these two men were, see some of their missions, and are given an understanding of what heroism means coming from them. This film comes from director J.D. Dillard, who previously helmed the smaller features Slight and Sweetheart. He's a military brat and a black filmmaker now handling a near $100 million feature. Abe, I want to know, what did you think of Devotion? Uh, I honestly wish it was a better movie. I, I think that there's a lot going on here from a story standpoint. And it's unfortunate because I don't think they really get to all of it as much as perhaps they they would want to, or maybe they're just spreading themselves too thin. There's a lot of themes in here. Like first things first, it's a Korean War movie, not a whole lot of those. So it's about the Forgotten War, which they expressly say in the beginning of the the movie with all the the title cards. Um, and then it, is, it also is a uh, perhaps a, a forgotten you know medals deferred type of movie for uh, African American pilots and African American soldiers in the military during this time period. It also is like a friendship movie, and then it also becomes like a buddy cop movie to some degree. Um, it, it's it's kind of like all over the place with uh, where it wants to go. And I think that that's probably because the source material is, I'm going to guess, it's uh, Jesse uh, Ensign, Jesse Brown's entire life that they're trying to cover, or um, at least like this particular portion, which is quite, uh, quite lengthy, even though um, it only takes like a year maybe uh, on screen. Uh, it goes into from 1950 to 1951, but not too much outside of that. So besides some like some flash forward stuff. So overall, like it's not that it's a mess. It's just that they have to just cover so many things. And then there's very like trivial and and not trivial, but very contrite uh, scenes that you see in other types of these war movies. And then unfortunately, like there's just not a whole lot that I could really latch on to. Like I, I understood uh, Ensign Brown's uh, his plate and, and I understood like his position, but you know, Glenn Powell, while he's doing, I think as much as he probably could, like there's not really a whole lot that he could really feed off of either. Um, and then there's just all these other platoon mates around him or squad mates around him that, that um, either have like, you know, 1950s type quips or what have you. Um, so there's a lot of location setting. Like this movie does look expensive, uh, but at the same time, I kind of just wish that it was um, a tighter picture. I um, did think it was quite tight. I, I thought it was very much focused on uh, Brown, um, which is what I, I mean, it's what it was, what it feels like the story wants to be about and what mm-hmm. I felt it delivered on. I really enjoyed this film because of its narrow focus. I know initially talking about and even seeing trailers for this in a summer where we got Top Gun Maverick uh, featuring one of the stars in this movie. Mm-hmm. it's a matter you know it, there's a lot of like well it's a it's unfortunate to have to deal with uh, a movie that this you know something so big coming before a movie like this but what i like about this movie is how it doesn't really matter like regardless of like delays and stuff that led to these two films coming out around the same time i like that this movie feels decidedly different because it's very much a character study um calling it a buddy film to a degree you know about a you know dealing with a friendship that's there um but i like that it seems to have the right focus as far as what's important and what we need to focus on here where like 
yes, Glenn Powell is a major character in this movie, but you know, only having so much to deal with with him, that doesn't bother me because I'm so engaged with what Jesse Brown's story is. And what helps in all of that for me is that Jonathan Majors is really great in this role. I think he right. absolutely dominates as a, a leading man here. And the the choices used to expand on who he is, I think, are just right. Where there's certainly an old-fashioned sense to what kind of movie this is as far as like a war movie goes. But at the same time, what I think is clever about this screenplay and what uh, J.D. Dillard is doing as a director is that it very much keeps the fact that he is a black pilot in mind. It is not merely seasoning to the story. It is not mm-hmm. merely something that happens to be a part of it. It is something that very much has affected his life um, and his role in the military. And the film doesn't shy away from that, nor does it make it feel contrived by using that. There is acts against him that he's had to deal with, that he talks about, and that he even still deals with within this movie. And I think the entertainment value I get from seeing you know, these jet airplane or whatever these uh these uh air they're not jets these these airplane sequences um it's cool to see and i agree yes the movie looks as good as it can uh here you know it's the kind of thing where we had fucking tom cruise and actual jets so it's like yeah Yeah, okay a a period film featuring old fighter planes it it is only going to look so impressive by comparison but i still think it looks quite good but matching that with what's more of a drama i was really engaged with this i had at a at a at a I was very satisfied with what, how this story played out, given I didn't exactly know, for one thing, the story that this is based on, but also just right. what kind of movie this was going to be. Yeah, I definitely echo your sentiments on on uh, Jonathan Majors. I mean, I, again, you and I have been singing his praises for, for a while now, um, mm-hmm. and he delivers. And it's going to be hilarious again when he goes up against Michael B. Jordan. I don't know about hilarious, but it's going to be very interesting when he goes up against Michael B. Jordan uh is it later this year or next year? February. Or three, three. Sorry, yeah, March. Three, three. March, yeah. Yeah, three, three, 23 for, for Creed 3. So, uh, I, yeah, uh, I think that um, Christina Jackson, who plays his wife, is also really good as well. Uh, so I agree. Limited screen time. But, you know, she's pulling her, uh, she's not pulling any punches. She's going for it. And while she's not going to get nominated for any awards or anything like that, I do think that she actually, for the amount of screen time, she gave me a characterization of, of who this person is. Allowed me to empathize uh, with her, and and even the, the little daughter girl. I, I I agree about the about the wife. It, it's it, it's almost similar to something like King Richard, where at that war performance from Angelou and John Janelle's, uh, that's it's more oh, okay. More yeah, there's yeah. more depth there, and there's more because she's just a major character in that film. But in terms of the fact that the movie like this and movie like that aren't just over, you know, they don't just, they don't just have the wife character. They have a person that matters and yeah. that, you know, has actual depth to them. Um, even in this movie is limited by comparison. There is in terms of screen time. I like that. There's a good hour of this film before we get anywhere involving like the Korean war specifically. There's a lot of time mm-hmm. spent on Jesse Brown's, you know, his, his life, his home life at, at this point at the, at the military, at the, the base that he's at. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, how he, how we learn about, you know, what kind of guy this is. So it's like, I, I, I get where you're coming from as far as there are other characters here. There's, there's elements going on involving this war and like what Mm -hmm. the, what the time is about that. I think a different movie could explore if it wanted to be more of an ensemble or more of a Mm -hmm. Korean war focused story. Not even that. I mean, yeah, no, go ahead. But not even just like Korean war focused, but uh, keep going. I, I just, I feel like the, the center here was so on Brown specifically, as opposed to yeah. 
the things that are also orbiting around him where it just didn't bother me to not learn about like you know more about joe jonas in this movie like oh yeah i I, yeah i'm totally not saying that i want to know more about you know his his uh squad mates and and their ongoings and how they you know sneak cigarettes into french bars or what have you i do but i do think actually like while it while it was like innocuous and and somewhat lighthearted, it was also just uh what was the purpose of this particular thing because i'm not really invested in these guys here i and while it does refocus on uh, Jesse Brown and, and Tom Hudner later in the in that same sequence, um, it certainly is uh, like it feels like there's just maybe not not a whole lot going on, but there's just many, many, uh, you know, drums being hit at the same time. So it's kind of just um, it doesn't feel super, like unnecessarily superfluous but it is a little bit superfluous that's fair that's where i come at it with thinking it feels old-fashioned in that way there's a mm-hmm. lot of older war movies that have this kind of vibe to them compared totally to totally hear you yeah compared to where like you know like when apocalypse now and then like platoon and things came along because yeah, those yeah. wars for one thing were just different kinds of wars but right, also right. those movies changed how war movies were made they you know they sure. became yeah, yeah. more intense or focused in a different manner or cerebral or what have you were older fashioned war movies from you know the older eras yeah. they had this more shaggy dog approach to their story or what have you and <laughs> yes. i and i i like that it this does feel like an ode to that combined with you know some modern sensibilities in terms of for one thing having a black lead star from a black director but also yeah. even just in some of the directorial touches of like the airplane sequences there there's a couple of just cool like you know yes it's not i don't want to keep bringing up top gun but yeah it's not some of the cool stuff you're seeing in that movie but there's some i think there's some some solid stuff going on when it comes to the dog fights or one sequence where the camera's fixed on a wing for an extended period of time and i'm Mm -hmm. like okay i I see you jd dillard pulling out some tricks here like there's some (laughs) there's some there's some cool stuff in that regard for a movie that's yeah really an action movie i do like that it you know it's trying to engage in multiple ways so just just to uh, harken back to what you're saying there, and then we can move on to other things too, is um, around the idea of the old cinema, like yeah. the like cinema in like the 40s and 50s that you know the Casablancas of the world, where it's about war, but they also have like you know Rick at his bar with an illegal Boca room in the back and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I that's kind of where I was very not confused, but I was I was uh, at times I was searching for my uh, about. Who made this movie again? Like, it, does it feel it? Sometimes it feels like a Disney movie, and sometimes it feels like a Sony movie. And I guess um, what I mean by that is, uh, I didn't know that this was going to, or this was a, a biopic before going into it. So as I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, oh, they're they're really going hard on like this very light feeling of just here we are in in can in con France and kind of just like going uh, about our day. But then I also was thinking to myself. Uh, this doesn't really feel like it wants to actually do a whole ton of this. Like it feels like it's just another plot point to say, Hey, you know, Jesse Brown has, it's Jesse Brown and Tom Hunter kind of just growing together. So it was weird for me to kind of just feel these things as I was watching this and saying, and thinking to myself, is this supposed to be a family friendly movie or is this supposed to be like a drama or is this supposed to be like a, you know, a mix of both, because uh, sometimes it felt a little bit too much on the family friendly side, which is exactly what you're saying there. And this is not a knock to it because like, it looks great when they're shooting in. I, I don't know if it's actually France, but when they are set there in the movie, it, it does look really good and, um, you know, great production design. 
So outside that's kind of, of just what outside I was... of some second unit stuff, I know it's pretty much filmed in Georgia, so I imagine they might okay. have got may have, may have got shots, and then you know, well, the those magic... cobbler streets look great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the the magic of visual effects, what have you, but yeah, yeah Georgia, exactly. Georgia, Georgia was their main filming location. I know right. That. Okay. Yeah. So that's all I want to say is this: the um, like the mixture of the vibe and the tone is is just what uh, kind of threw me off a little bit, and then as it got more serious, then then uh, I I get that part too, but I wasn't looking for something ultra serious. Um, I do want to agree with you that the visual, uh, the visual aviation, as well as like even like the firing of rockets, look really mm-hmm. good. Like it actually was like a, a nice, good job on the visual elements. I don't know if they those were all just visual effects or if they actually. I don't think they actually fired any real rockets, but you know if they, if these are actual real like restored planes or what have you that they they flew up and then they just you know mirrored a few times to have five of them but i, I have yeah, to like, think during during some of like the earlier sequences there were real planes used and yeah. i'd love to see some behind the scenes footage stuff Tom Cruise on is this their pilot uh-huh. um him or james corden but um i one of the i it'd be <laughs> nice to see like or whatever i i do yes i do I can't imagine them not having any restored planes whatsoever. I'd like to think that there right. are some re- there's yeah. some real aircraft being used in this film. Maybe yeah. not so much in the you know the the, the war sequences uh, for obvious reasons, but I mean, right. but it, yeah, it does. Like like we're saying, I do think the the production values here, I think, is what we're getting at so. in that yes. regard, and I, and that's it's not something that I doubted necessarily, but it is nice that like movie set during the korean war you wanted to look good and i was happy it did <laughs> yeah, yeah i i i also haven't seen joe jonas's brother's movie midway uh i don't know if you have but does that one look like this because that was also a larger budget picture uh, obviously <laughs> not set in world war or i'm not not set in uh, the korean war but it was um like i i don't know i mean i'm gonna guess that roman or roland emmerich had enough money to to make uh what he thought was an accurate set, but so, you know, I believe that was a Lionsgate film, if not mistaken, okay. which is interesting because Roland Emmerich has been doing Sony films. And one of my issues with his Sony films is that his visual effects aren't as great as they could be. <laughs> interesting. This, yeah. There's this, whatever, I think it's like Sony image. Um, I believe do the, like the effects for white house down in 2012. Um, and I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> and it has a real problem with like, extras like fake extras running around they always look uh-huh. like weirdly fake extras it looks like a bad version <laughs> of the volume like that's what i that's the for movies that i do okay. that i like quite a bit it has this like weird effect where i just don't like the look that he's specifically using here yeah. so that and honestly going into devotion i was wondering if that was going to be a problem as well because sony uses certain you know they're, they're assuming using this to the same company and mm-hmm. i can say like during some of the korean war sequences I noticed it mainly because I was looking for it, but it it didn't affect my viewing of it in that Talking way. about the ground stuff, right? Yeah, the ground exactly the ground yeah, stuff yeah. where it's like, well, yeah. obviously they don't have thousands of people running around. Yeah, exactly. Right now, yeah. So it's like... <laughs> and I don't think that they're actually shooting real and, missiles. <laughs> and they're not, you know, in the snowy areas of North yes. Korea. <laughs> so or the yeah, military, those two the those two guys, like those four yeah. guys are the only four guys really on set. Yeah. And so... then two of them had speaking lines. So and that again, that's where I emphasize that I like that this is a character drama first and a, you know, a, a film about the actual war and the the, the fights and missions mm-hmm. that are going on second. Um, and with that in mind, bringing it back to kind of the, the dramatic aspect of it. Sure. Um, I I wouldn't say that I felt the tones were jarring and I'm not saying you're saying they're intensely jarring yeah, yeah. at all, but in terms of what it's trying to tackle in various forms in terms of like that tone and how it's balancing certain things. 
I again bringing up the you know the race factor of this. Yeah. Because the movie is, I think, purposely geared towards getting anybody to be able to see it. You know, it's not a particularly right. profane film. It's not it for a war movie. It's not hugely violent. Like it's doing, it's working on a level that's ideally fit for a, a family interested in this period or in some you know thing about war, heroism, what have you, to go see this movie. I but by having these very sequences where either they're on the ship or they're on they're they're at cans or what have you, you have these sequence where sequences where Brown is, you know, having to deal with what people are like to him in 1950 America. Mm-hmm. I I like that the drama extends to what you would realistically kind of experience uh, in that in that capacity in different forms, right? Where it's either, mm-hmm. you know, just guys being dicks and then in the military to you or yeah. trying to get into a, you know, a club and being denied for just <laughs> for reasons. Like it's right. all being there. And then the way the movie just decides to depict how he's engaging with that, where he is a very soft-spoken person. He's not very... He's always taking the high road, which is great. He's always taking the high, exactly. He's always taking the high road. But then you get like an understanding of how he's dealt with it that I also really appreciated. And that that's just all of that kind of stuff there. That's just it just kept hitting me in the right kinds of ways, as far as I'm glad that this movie's not shying away from what kind of totally what kind of stuff this person would have to deal with in a way that reminded me of something like i don't know like remember the titans for example where that's a movie that's obviously out of this movie too yeah i thought of that movie as well obviously that's geared towards it's a pg jerry Bruckheimer football movie disney movie yeah yeah and it's disney movie yeah so it's like it's not going to go way too far but because you have certain people like denzel washington involved the you know it's not taking the easy road as far as saying racism's bad, isn't it? It's like no, let's actually explore that a little bit more than just the standard. Isn't this bad? Um, yeah, I, I like that this movie was doing that. Yeah, and those are the scenes that I thought worked pretty well for me as well. Um, I brought up earlier that there was this. Um, it's not even hidden, but it's 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 overtly said at one point, but it is a very interesting topic to think about because. Um, it is the idea of, again, medals deferred um, or promotions deferred or whatever the case is. You know, there's a scene where he has to talk to uh, where Jonathan Majors talks to Glenn Powell's character and he's got to tell him that, hey, man, like, I know that you wrote it as you saw it. But at the same time, like, you're doing me a disservice uh, by writing it that way, because it's basically um, going to ground me to some degree. Um, and then there's also like the even the the uh, toward the end of this movie where there uh, seems to be a, a large uh, medal award ceremony. And you have to think to yourself, like how many of these medals should have gone to people of color or what have you, right? Mm-hmm. That were just never really conferred to them because they could, America at that time could not do that. Um, or uh, perhaps like um, they just, the people in charge wanted to just uh, put uh, a young, nice uh, white guy on the cover of, of a uh, time magazine instead of somebody else. Right. So it, that is an interesting topic that did come up. And I, I did like when yes, uh, Jesse Brown does have to face these things because it is unfortunate that being like the only uh, black aviator uh, in that squadron and then kind of just always having to deal with this, but then it eats at him too. Like, I'm glad that they showed that side of things, even though that's like not the healthiest way to deal with things, but it, it, it is like, I'm glad it wasn't just like, oh, well, you know, he just water off my back because what else am I going to do about it? It's like, no, um, it actually does affect him like every day, uh, all the time. And uh, he has to write it down in a book. 
yeah the the way we see it effective like there's like there's not like these aren't flaws but it's like i like that he's not a flawless person like it's sure as much as it you know is honoring this man and these men in general mm -hmm. um it it does know how to show he's human even when it comes down to the flights as well like yes he is a great pilot um, but at the same time, it shows the difficulties he had uh, with with dealing with flying these planes and, you know, what it means to have to land on an aircraft carrier, which is not something everybody can do <laughs> by, by any well, even Even the way he describes it, it, it mm -hmm. makes it much more of an effective understanding of why he um, liked the old planes before. And this new plane is maybe a little bit different. And the, again, that's where the wife character comes in and mm -hmm. you're just like, okay. That's where there's some extra additional strength in his relationship and and in his faith, in his own faith to to Father Blaine, for sure. And it's just yeah. you know it's those like details. It's just like these these things add up. And like I you know I obviously I wish it connected with you more, but it, it hit me in the right way. Yeah. Like and just and you know I, I saw this on on Thanksgiving Day with my lovely girlfriend Lathana, uh, and she's you know big into military, uh, mm -hmm. so it's like she she absolutely adored this film just as far as what kind of story is trying to tell and everything. But yeah, no, I had yeah. a, had a I, I had a lot of positive coming out of this. Just I'm glad in terms of like, you know, obviously what Majors is doing here, but in terms of like just how yeah. it's choosing to tell its story because I, yet like. It's funny because it's weird because like I, I mentioned this old fashioned thing and it's like, yeah, you could say that's cliche, but also I just haven't seen a movie like this in a while because war movies have evolved over time and whatnot. So if sure. anything, it, it's unique that it feels old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. And, and it's not like that I minded it. It's actually just more it goes back to did they actually meet, you know, this famous person? Uh, and I'm going to guess that they did. Uh, but it was one of those things where because I didn't know that this was, again, based on a factual uh -huh. um uh, biography of, of a, a living human it was just like why, why is this here you know but afterward you're like oh, okay yeah I, I can see why you devoted time to it um and went down this avenue or that avenue question also, for you I, I, just yeah, go ahead. also otherwise if you don't have that scene it's just you know it's not a lot of time for any fun <laughs> yeah it, it does it did it's actually no become it's, it's really yeah, good. It, it would be pretty boring just to be like okay we're we're in a carrier uh within like these metal walls and then we're in a plane, and then that's those are largely the only settings you'd have. Mm -hmm. So it is nice to have that, you know. Aside from like his family life, just put them all in their, France, put them all in their fifties duds, and let them roam the streets of France <laughs> for an afternoon and evening. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, magic tricks, be uh, magic tricks as well. Um, not the best uh, so magic like, trick. <laughs> yeah, it it seems very impractical for the magician. Well, the way so. he introduced it, I was like, okay, what's this going to be? And it's like, that's it. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Real, yeah. real, uh, real uh, Neil Patrick Harris had the Oscars energy, but um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that he was host of them uh, one year. Remember he did that? Uh, as far as he, like, he had that magic trick where he, he had like a box or something. It like was that, right? a box on a stage. Yeah, and, and um, he opened and, it like late in the show. Well, he because he gave like the key or whatever to Octavia Spencer, who was sitting in the front row. Uh, uh, and and just like said, you got to keep your eye on it. And then yeah, he opened the box at the end that had an envelope in it, and inside the envelope said all the things that happened at the Oscars. And it's like, all right, cool, I guess. Um, like, I mean, I've just, seen Mission Impossible. You know, there's a fax machine within that box. That, and it that just, just seems like easy sleight of hand. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> um, Question, as far as yes. Korean War movies go, <laughs> yeah. there's not a whole lot of them in recent memory, um, but. Uh, think that this would be like the first one in like a long time i would guess um did, did eastwood do a korean war movie 
that's a fun question probably not not um, like not not flags of our fathers and that thing but just like did he ever act in one because I, I can't remember if he acted in one but anyway well, uh, flags I is world don't... war ii but i mean um yeah, exactly yeah but, but um I mean, movies I, I, about I, the korean war exactly yeah like i feel like there was one like that the one that angelina jolie did directed was not one no that's world war ii that's that's okay. yeah un, unbroken okay. unbroken uh, yeah yeah well, like, like yeah. I think like Gran Torino, he's like a veteran of the Korean War or something. That like might have been what I'm thinking of then. Yeah, there's been veterans of it, but that it hasn't been the major focus, which is something that you and I sort of championed to some degree. It's like you know we we like movies about World War One and also uh, un- or these forgotten wars. So it, yeah, I like yeah for sure. Good I that they agree. that they have some uh some screen time, some big screen time. But yeah, they're not compared. You know, there's heavy hitters when it comes to various wars that we've seen right with world war ii mm-hmm. and vietnam specifically and even world right. war one in recent years has really been picking up steam between 1917 and warhorse there's been a lot of uh, <laughs> uh korean war films that come to mind yeah there are ones that exist but they're just not because the it, itself is just not for korea it's just not as like you know like mash and that's hardly a korean war it's more of a commentary on vietnam that just happens to be set during korea yeah um before, TV show and movie were both set in Korea. Yeah, they're all Korea. Yeah, the Korea okay. Wars. Yeah, yeah, but like other things are just, and they're just not as good. I think there's like a Kirk Douglas one, but like that sounds familiar. Yeah, but in any case, just kind of just trying to jog our memory of have there have been any recent Korean War like within the past twenty years, and I don't think that there have been. So maybe that that maybe I was mistaken. Like I, just I, I'm a, sure a there have detail. been. They're just not nearly as notable as you know other war films that have come out. Like I yeah. wouldn't doubt. And it. I and also should I, point out that I'm talking about U.S. Yeah, that's the other thing. I, I know yeah. like Korea has certainly produced Korean war. I'm sure that they movies. have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there are probably some of them that are very good because South Korea has a great film industry. <laughs> but, oh yeah, <laughs> you know I've I've heard such great things about you know this director Bong Joon Ho. I don't know if you've heard about him. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, Park Chan Wook just came back swinging with Decision to Leave, which is uh, great with a hammer, uh-huh. um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, anyway, just kind of trying to, uh, just, I was just curious, but I don't think anything comes to my mind either. Um, so yeah, I guess like through lot, well, here, here's one thing. Well, mm-hmm. there, there's two things, okay. One is sure. that I want to say is I, in addition to Christina Jackson, as far as supporting players go, I really like Thomas uh, Sadowski as the uh, lieutenant commander. Uh, for the okay as well i thought yeah like you know it's somewhat of a thankless role is kind of just being like the guy in charge that says the things to guys uh but yeah. i like the little moments that he the little character moments he had to share with both brown and hudner um i think he i he was effective in the way that i needed him to be for the kinds of things yeah. that that are required for those sequences so I, I know what you mean because i did like the sequence where he's talking to uh, glenn powell's character about you know mm-hmm. what it means to to quote unquote win these small battles and what that actually means in the later in the long term. Mm-hmm. But he's also got like the shit eating grin and he's like, you know, like I there were some times where I couldn't take him seriously because it was like, okay, he's just uh at one point I thought that he was even uh before he's on screen and you hear his voice, and I was like, is this John C. McGinley? Because that'd be great. Um and it wasn't John C. McGinley. But then yeah, there's like other times where you're like, he's kind of a rascal because he does like some airplane maneuver so that he uh to to potentially get out of a dog fight kind of thing and i was like yeah uh, he's a mixed bag I, I see what you're saying with um uh his energy on the screen I, i'll, I'll say this about because I, I know what you're saying because i agree with you and it's the, the it's the reason it's it's having that scene of like glenn powell and a couple other scenes that's the reason why i 
I'm pointing him out now because initially sure. he comes on and I know him from like the newsroom where he plays a smarmy guy. Um, uh-huh. So so seeing him in this role where it's like at first I have a certain impression just based off the kind of roles he takes in general. Uh, yeah. But like coming to understand where he's coming from uh, to the little degree that we do, that made me appreciate him more as a presence in this film. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, yeah, uh, he certainly has uh, enough screen time and enough presence to to give you again another feel of a a flesh out character. Without digging too far into it, what did you think of the kind of the climax of this film, as far as you know, the, the things that characters have to do and and the, you know the emotional impact that's supposed to create? You know, I I did like when it got to I guess a, a pretty serious moment uh, mm-hmm. within this movie. Um, and even the after effects of it um, in large part because it then focused just on those two characters that I probably had particular much more, much more stock in. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it allows them to have beyond just talking in locker rooms and talking in, in showers and what have you. It, it's just a conversation about how, or I'm sorry, not even a conversation, but a, an example about how far they've come as teammates Um or as as squad mates, um, and then a larger larger picture, how far they've come as individuals, um, and understanding each other. Because there's a particular line that Jonathan Majors has for um, Glenn Powell at one point about like, "Don't throw me the life preserver, just like get in the fucking water with me." Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of comes to play later, and it's like, okay, I, I can see where um, this pivots into a, a pretty like dramatic moment, um, and I, I did like it, but. It, it is a, a bummer about just, um, I guess, what happens on a ship with Glenn Powell and kind of just like having to be dismissed uh, because of, of a, an injury. Yeah, no, I um, I agree with you. I do think the, you know, I was already plenty engaged in the film, but, you know, mm-hmm. as and we, you know, coming at this, we're both at least unaware of who these characters were and what the, you know, what right. what, what the result is. Um, so, you know, I, I, I felt for what was happening and I appreciated that it's you know it's obviously it's based on what actually happened but like the way they have to capture that cinematically and given what the results are going to be i i I found the film to handle it in the way that makes the most sense to me like i don't know what a better way to do what it needed to do was um and then yes the kind of the epilogue of the film i appreciate it also um once again because of the actors that are involved in the way they're reacting to what's come of everything i i think that sure that puts a and, if you have to put this bow on things as far as giving us you know the standard here's the pictures of the people with some text underneath them kind of thing yeah. i i think the lead up to that was good yeah i agree because i think that it, it doesn't have a again we, i'm gonna harken back to daisy uh the character daisy um his wife christina jackson's character it's like it, it allows that moment to have this um I guess I'm uh, a a um a closure moment type moment, so it doesn't feel like it's super yeah um left you leaves you hanging. The the part about like the the entire epilogue for sure is hey by the way you know like um the search is still ongoing kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I think that that's kind of what the larger message is of the Korean War, uh, obviously, but it, it that's where I kind of get lost with some of the other things that happen throughout the movie. And I wish that maybe they had focused on uh, a few major points um, in addition to Jesse Brown's character. That's fair. That that. that would have been like, you know, this is a very 
huge problem even today, right? You know, so um, with this war and kind of just people that we left behind, you know, we we do think about the people that we've left behind in Vietnam and and what have you, um, with walls and and memorials and monuments. Um, so it it will I, I th- probably could have hard, hit harder. Um, not to say that it wasn't hitting hard, but. Uh, I think it, I agree it with you as far as on. like a couple sentences to explain where things are currently versus and, and where they were at that point. It's like, yeah, this could use a little bit more fleshing out. Like, I agree there. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, I yeah, like it's hitting in a certain way, but also it's like, I want to. Can we clarify that a bit, <laughs> a bit more? OK, yeah, I, I can. I can feel it. I can feel what you're saying on that. Yeah. Um. Real quick. I want to talk about Glenn sure. Powell a bit. Um, who I okay. think, regardless of like his role in this, he's good. He's good here. Like he's doing what's required of him. I, this guy is interesting to me. Like he's an executive producer on this film, which makes I didn't me know that. Which makes me think, okay, this guy is like into this. Uh, as, as far as like what kinds of stories he wants to be involved with or whatnot, and I, I think of that because of obviously you know Top Gun is a thing, but even he had to be like convinced to do that film. Um, right. But like before you know this, obviously he's had his various roles and you know like everybody wants some and that rom-com set it up but like he was in mm-hmm. hidden figures as glenn as uh as um john glenn and it's like this guy seems to just have a, a very uh interesting uh <laughs> love for the love for, for like space the air and force air? and yeah. the, the, the air and space yeah that, that seems to have yeah. the, uh, you know a certain level of respect for the military so it's you know he's in apollo 10 and a half as well right uh yes he is yeah, yeah he's, um, he's voicing one of the, the guys yeah mm-hmm. so it, i you know He's a you know young enough actor where he's still making various choices or what have you, but it's like this is it, it is I, I'm curious what this is for him. Like he seems to have a genuine interest in you know wanting to do provide certain kinds of honors for you know this aspect of America and and uh, the you know the him wanting to devote his time to this particular story, mm-hmm. you know, given that he's a producer on the film, it's like okay, I I I, I uh, Beyond just being like cocky pilot guy in Top Gun, it's like okay, I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm curious what your role is in all of this, and you seem to you care in a way that you know feels it seems to be genuine. So good for you. Yeah, I. It makes me curious about where his projection or his trajectory goes for his time in in Hollywood and on the screen for sure. It's a it's a good year for him as far as yeah. being being in you know one of the biggest films ever, and then you know having a solid supporting role. So right. Among other things that like already built him up in certain ways. So yeah. I mean, I'm sure that he's still, you know, uh scouting baseball talent in Texas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and rocking that hair. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So well, I think we talked a lot about devotion. Um, it's currently playing in theaters. When should people go mm-hmm. and see this movie? Yeah, I, I would have said that this is probably an HBO release uh, in our old scale. Like I, even, I, I do say a theater just because, like, for one thing, it just sure. looks and sounds great. But um, I do think there's a kind of rewarding aspect to seeing a movie like this in a theater, where you get this kind of all-encompassing experience involving, you know, people that you don't know about in a war that you don't know a lot about, um, right. in you know, a form of film that just doesn't come along very often in this manner. So no, I, I really engaged with it. And I was really happy to see it. Yeah. Do you know what JD is doing next? Or does he have anything? I the, believe he was on a books? star. Yeah, I think he was on a Star Wars thing for a second, if I'm not what? mistaken. Uh, but he then going back then, to space. Like, like he was, but then he, but then I believe he was saying he was no longer involved in a Star Wars thing, which is okay. you know neither are we. Um, <laughs> we're we're no longer involved in our Star Wars thing that we announced. Also, so I can feel you winking at me. 
he he i think he was attached to like the whatever superman thing dc was going to do but i don't think that's oh, happening anymore I, okay i think he has a lot of options in front of him it's just a matter of finding the yeah. one that he wants to like fully engage with but um yeah i'm mostly curious because you mentioned that this budget was like maybe 100 million bucks um yeah it's quite like, a large budget for a director that has i think he's done like tv and he's done um, some tv and then he has two films yeah so yeah so it's I, Great job. Great job, but it's also, you know, it is an expensive movie. You're right. And it's not, you it know, is. it's not destroying at the box office like it might have, you know, might Understood. have back in the 2000s and the 90s. And that's one yeah. thing for certain kinds of directors to, you know, not have a hit off a big expensive movie. It's another yeah. thing for, you know, black directors <laughs> that have a large budget attached to a movie and it doesn't quite yeah. deliver. Um, ideally, ideally, or yes, or or yeah, many many directors of color in general. Right. Um, ideally, this is not something that holds him back, especially given that the reviews were quite strong. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. Oh, yeah, and I will be curious what uh, what he does next because yeah. I've I've liked all of his films so far. So okay, great. All right, so that review out of the way, let's move on now. Let's get a little now feedback. Oh, we haven't had feedback from Rob, but feedback, feedback, feedback. Yes, feedback. Yeah, I asked some questions back around Thanksgiving, and it's time to get some of these. Uh, some of these questions here that I asked on the old Facebook page at facebook.com <laughs> podcast. Uh, we got some answers uh, because we also didn't do the feedback for our Fableman's uh, bonus episode. We'll throw those in here as well. Mm-hmm. But let's start off with our question revolving around devotion. What are your favorite films about real life military heroes? Uh, Robert James, friend of the show, writes Sergeant York with Gary Cooper. Mm. Scott writes The Great Escape, true story, but highly fictionalized. Still a great film. And Philip has Black Hawk Down and We Were Soldiers. I'll note that Anna's also a big fan of We Were Soldiers. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a wife character that I think is okay versus like the wife character in this movie. Yeah, because that's a major the... that's a major subplot in the movie, right? The 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 wives kind of the wives kind of it's like banded together to give bad news about so, like in an uh, appropriate way as opposed to just yeah, you know, offhandedly doing it. Right. Uh my answer here would be uh Hogarth Hughes and the Iron Giant in the movie The Iron Giant. Real life military heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Hogarth Hughes is real in my book. How about um, you? <laughs> Maverick? Tom, uh, Pete Maverick? Pete Mitchell? Um, Patton. Uh, you know, he, uh, the Simpsons version? No, not the not the not the Simpsons version. Okay. <laughs> yeah, General Patton. Got it. Yeah. Um, great movie or great movie uh, uh, VHS cover box. Yeah. Just him in front of a flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, Black Hawk Down is great. <laughs> Black Hawk Down is great. Yeah, if you want to talk about like a movie that is tight, like that's one that uh, I was point to, which is a tight movie. Like it's about this specific time period, meaning like not even like you know nineteen ninety three, but like times like on your watch kind of thing. Like it's specific times, and then this is what happens. But it's from the viewpoints of like three groups. One of them being um, the U.S. soldiers on the ground, the smallest soldiers on the ground, and then like the U.S. operations in the back, right? I was like it's it's very good like war movie for sure not a great one in terms of like what the outcomes were and and how uh the losses piled up but you know just in terms of like filmmaking and really scott being really scott pretty pretty great another one that i only saw once but i remember really liking when i saw was jarhead uh which is based off and yeah. swarford's like his own like, his, his own book his, his yeah. own book yeah um I did uh, like yeah. that one too. Yeah, for sure. There's some really good performances in that film with Jill and Shot by Deacons and, and Sarsgaard. Uh, yeah, Shot by Deacons. You know, Sam Mendes' whole whole crew there mm-hmm. uh, doing their thing. Thomas Newman doing the score. Um, 
And boy, what a great trailer featuring a rapper that we don't like to talk about anymore. Uh, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> did you see Glass Onion? No. <laughs> but, um... Um, yeah, well, those are some great answers there for the military heroes. Um, again, Hogarth Hughes ruled my book, and so is Aaron Jordan. He's out there somewhere. Um, but we move into some questions that we had about the Fablemans, uh, which we talked about last week in a special episode as well. The question here uh, that we asked is, what are your favorite films about directors reflecting on their own lives? Uh, Eric has all that jazz. Luke Thompson writes Edward Scissorhands. Scott writes Eight and a Half, Manhattan, Radio Days, and Annie Hall. Pretty interesting list here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, directors reflecting mm-hmm. on their own lives. We talked about that briefly during our our Fableman's discussion right. um, last time. But um, I mean, all, all that jazz is a very good answer. Um, yeah. oh, I thought you were going to bring up Hook, but all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He always wanted to be a dad. I mean, there's a lot of the, you know, a lot of the Spielberg 80s set. Of, or like, yeah. even like Catch Me If You Can. Um, Dude, by the way, we yeah. did. That was the thing I forgot to mention, which is like, it seems like the house in Catch Me If You Can, if Catch Me If You Can, when Leo goes back, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like their house in the Fableman's movie. Okay. <laughs> it's weird. Like, it's, it's, yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So you mentioned all the jazz. Um, Catch me if you can. That, catch me if you can is actually a really good movie. Yeah. Two mice uh, fall in a bucket of cream. One, the first one gives up, drowns. Second mouse digs. <laughs> so damn hard. It turns that cream into butter. Climbs out of there. And today, I am proud to say I am that second mouse. <laughs> uh, where are you flying to tonight? Um, anyway. All right. Where are you going, Frank? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very haunting way he says it, and then you know Leo just leaves. Mm-hmm. All right, next question we have: What are some great films about creative children? Philip writes Super Eight. I mean, what Super Eight's based off of two ET, the extraterrestrial. You see how they hid that that alien from their mom and then took him out trick or treating as well. That's creative. How about Son of Rambo. I mean, you know, Adam Warlock can do anything he wants. Yeah. Actually, that was actually a really fun film uh, because it's uh, those kids that are just making <laughs> set a Rambo movie. Mm-hmm. And then things get real. Uh, I'd also, I guess, I guess in terms of you know students or children making things, kids making things, I'd also throw in um, Rushmore because uh, play at the end there, pretty creative. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. That's yeah. Creative Max just doing things, making friends with this bully. <laughs> December 5. Uh, anything else from you? No, I'm good. Uh, last question here is, what are some dysfunctional families on film? Uh, Chris has, you can't take it with you. Tammy writes, ready or not. Chris has the Road Tenant Bombs. Uh, Philip has Ran and the Darjeeling Limited, as well as the Wind Rises and Roma. And Gary writes, uh, Arm- uh, Amacord. Armacord? Amarcord. Amarcord, yeah. Amarcord. Uh, interesting list here too, for sure. You mentioned the squid in the well last week, which I'll, I'll throw into this discussion here. Uh, I was laughing at Tammy's ready or not, because that is a really dysfunctional, weird family, um, who definitely believes the curse is real. And then they don't. And then it is real. A uh, little miss sunshine. I, uh... I mean, when you're driving around with Alan Arkin in the back of your, your Westphalia, that's pretty, it's pretty weird. 
That, that movie's um always funny. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but it's um always funny, funny to watch. <laughs> I haven't really revisited it in maybe a decade. Here's um, a here's a little tip. It's very funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I I don't know what the 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 general thought is on Little Miss Sunshine, a movie that I don't think is discussed very much these days, but um mm-hmm. it's hysterical. <laughs> it's a real I, yeah. I, I mean, feel like it, because it became such like a you know an Oscar favorite and like a darling right. indie film or whatnot, I think it gets overlooked that that movie's fucking hysterical. <laughs> like it's really funny. <laughs> I will have to go revisit it, and as I'm laughing at Paul Dano not talking, I will uh, text you. Like um, the whole cast is killer. Like everybody, yeah, yeah. Like, him, Carell, uh, who, who's Breslin, J- Greg Kinnear, Greg Kinnear, uh, yeah, Alan Greg Arkin, Tony Collette. Like it's yeah. a great cast, and yeah. they are all like nailing the roles that they're in. <laughs> like it's yeah. really funny. Uh, that was one of my pandemic just... watches during 2020. That's like you I just watch. rewatch it over and over every week. I, I mean, honestly, you put it on; it's 90 minutes, <laughs> and it's really funny. It's like I can watch this again. Like it's, it's really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, great dance sequence at the end there with Abigail Breslin. Um. Or is it in the middle? I can't remember. No, it's but, it's, uh, it's the climax. And again, it's okay. very funny. <laughs> I mean, the family gets in on it. Yeah. Uh, other dysfunctional movies about families, I would say Captain Fantastic. Yeah, um, there you go. Also a really good movie. Maybe like third act is is not as strong, but uh, pretty solid. A uh, little thing called a goofy movie. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, Stand are you going to go down this uh, fishing trip or are you going to go to LA to go meet Powerline? Those decisions you have to make sometimes. I know. Are you going to impress this girl at school that you're not going to talk to again for the rest of your life, or uh, you know, go on this once in a lifetime trip with your dad? <laughs> Did uh, Knives Out come out? No, it didn't. Right, Knives Out. That's a pretty dysfunctional family. That is, yes, yeah. But you know, they they tried really hard, and mm-hmm. um, you know, he saw he saw Hamilton first first share first run. <laughs> Immigrants, <laughs> we get the job done. <laughs> Don Johnson just pointing over at the cop, which is played by um I forget his name Noah Segan, <laughs> just pointing at him like saw first run. <laughs> yeah, great dysfunctional family, and a uh, little There's thing. A called... lot of dysfunctional families on movies now that like we're so easily rat- rattling them off. It it's yeah, there's plenty of them. Uh, I just wanted to throw in one last one: the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah, but you know they make up with the moose at the end there. I'm glad because that was pretty tough to watch. It's pretty sad, but I'm glad that they get through it. All right, well, All right. that is feedback. Feedback, 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 and that's going to bring us to the end of this bonus episode about not their name. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Legal Entertainment and Wise Blue as well, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe, you can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.mua, and Twitter.com/slash/polarsmoose. Hashtag you forgot your wings. <laughs> here have mine <laughs> uh our podcast can be found out now there name everywhere you can find a podcast on itunes yeah. especially where you can give us a rating and review which would be great we're on all the social yeah. and everything as well and uh yeah that's uh that's, that's gonna do devotion it. for you that's devotion uh we have plenty of bonus stuff coming up uh still tune in soon enough to hear our discussion of bones and all um and we'll also discuss uh, plenty of other new releases on the way. Uh, but that's going to do it for this bonus episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye.
I go on my side here. Okay, bug we're going. Around. Okay. Cool. All right. There was a fly flying around. There's a bug flying around on the lamp. Come on, Professor Dent, get with it. It's not, it's not swinging around like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me he doesn't shoot web to try and get these guys? I've been lied to my whole life. He's more of a trap setter than a web shooter. He oh, sets... those are scary. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the videos on Twitter and I scroll right past. Mm-hmm. 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 Aaron, are you from uh, upstate New York? Because, uh, you know, I'm from Utica. I've never heard of these themed hams before. <laughs> oh, no, it's an Albany expression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. These, you know, these uh, steamed ham tastes an awful, awful lot like Krusty Burgers. <laughs> I brought that. I don't know if you listened to it, but I brought that up to the to the directors of uh, something in the dirt because there's <laughs> no. Like, I didn't yet. I I asked them if they're Simpsons fans and got this reference, because, and they are because they're like our age. But <laughs> but, but like because there's a whole thing going on within like their apartment, and the second time I was watching it, it made me think of Aurora Borealis. The Aurora Borealis. This time yeah. of year, at this part of the country. Entirely, Localized entirely <laughs> your, in your kitchen. And they Can I see that. it? <laughs> no. Oh. They, 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 they Save more! The house is on fire! Just the Northern Lights, Mother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, right. What were you saying? I was like, they enjoyed that joke. They, they, oh, they okay. enjoyed the thought. I'm glad. I'm glad that they uh, that they are also Simpsons fans. It, it launches also, a discussion because is they're like you know it's it's interesting how much of our like our, our upbringing and cultural understanding of things can be based or, can be based around what we've learned from the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, very very accurate. I can I can confirm that. So, uh, 